Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast, an ongoing series covering a range of healthcare topics affecting the lives of physicians and patients. Today we have our weekly look at the headlines with the AMA's Vice President of Science, Medicine and Public Health, Andrea Garcia in Chicago. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer, also in Chicago. Andrea, let's begin with the big news that broke right before the holiday weekend, the authorization of the new Omicron boosters. We're talking to the AMA's ACIP liaison, Dr. Sandra Freihofer, in more detail about this tomorrow, but uh, at a high level, what do people need to know? Well, thanks for having me back, Todd. And, and that's right, as anticipated last week, we saw the FDA authorize two separate bivalent COVID boosters, the one from Pfizer and BioNTech and the other from Moderna. Both are specifically formulated to target the Omicron subvariants that we know are circulating right now. CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, or ESIP, met on Thursday. They voted 13 to 1 in support of using these new bivalent boosters in the U.S. population. And then later that same day, we saw the CDC director sign off on that recommendation. And so that opens the door for the rollout of the fall booster campaign that the Biden administration has been planning for months. And the AMA weighed in on that authorization. What was the uh, response? Yeah, in the AMA statement published last week, Dr. Freihofer said that the AMA welcomes the recommendation by ACIP. Uh, she noted that with COVID-19 infections continuing to impact the U.S. population, and of course, an increase in infections expected this fall and winter, uh, and data showing that the updated bivalent vaccines will increase immune response uh, and help provide protection against severe outcomes, including hospitalization and death. Uh, of course, the AMA continues to strongly urge everyone to stay up to date on their COVID-19 vaccines, including recommended booster doses. And those boosters, as we said, do target that original strain of the virus and the BA4 and BA5 subvariants, which make up 90% of current infections in the U.S. right now. And who is eligible to get the new booster, booster dose and um, when will the shots be available? So Pfizer's updated booster dose is currently authorized and recommended for use in those age 12 and older. Moderna's uh, booster dose is for adults 18 years and older. The doses can be given to those who've completed their primary series or who've had their last booster dose at least two months ago. Uh, the vaccines are expected to be available this week in pharmacies and doctor's offices and in community health centers. We know uh, many mass vaccination clinics across the country have closed. We talked about that in last week's episode. Uh, so you may have to seek out a new vaccination site. Um, and you can always look at vaccines.gov to find a location near you that has the updated COVID booster vaccines. Uh, and then in a separate statement last week, uh, AMA President Dr. Jack Resnick said that as we prepare for a potential fall and winter surge of COVID-19, the AMA encourages all who are eligible to get a booster, review those available options. Uh, if you have questions, talk to your physician. And the AMA, uh, in anticipation of the new boosters being approved for use, has already released updated CPT codes to support physicians and their practices. That's right. We announced um, an editorial update to the CPT code set for these new bivalent COVID-19 booster doses. There are eight new codes, four for the Moderna booster uh, and four for the Pfizer booster. 
four of the eight codes are effective for use immediately, and that that is based on FDA's authorization for emergency use of the vaccine. So clinicians can begin to document and bill uh, for administering the booster doses as soon as those vaccines are available. There are four CPT codes for use of Moderna and Pfizer in kids under 12, and those codes will be effective for use on the condition that the FDA authorizes those updated boosters for that age group. Thank you. And turning to the numbers, uh, good news for these vaccines as we head into the fall, obviously. And uh, what are we seeing now, uh, right now in terms of the uh, trend? Well, as we've been uh, reporting, uh, COVID cases continue to fall across the country uh, with more than 30 states seeing declines in the past two weeks. And that's according to the New York Times data. Uh, reported cases are sitting around 80,000 per day. That's down from 130,000 per day in mid-July. Um, of course, we're coming out of a holiday weekend. We've been doing this long enough to know that uh, that means delays in reporting. And so it's, that's likely impacting our numbers. How about hospitalizations and uh, deaths? Hospitalizations are continuing to decrease as well. About 36,000 people are currently in U.S. hospitals with COVID-19. Uh, that's a decrease of about 11% in the past two weeks. And deaths due to COVID have remained relatively flat. There has been a slight tip, tick upwards. Uh, that daily average right now is around 489 deaths per day for the past several weeks. That number has been hanging around just below 500. Again, highlighting the need for everyone to stay up to date on their vaccines. We know the risk of death or serious outcomes may be lower, lower uh, but it's certainly not gone. Yes, uh, 500, uh, that is a lot, of, uh, a lot of people every day. So uh, get that booster. Uh, to back that up, even more news came out last week highlighting how the pandemic has affected U.S. life expectancy, that was not good news. Uh, what can you tell us about those numbers? Yeah, according to the New York Times, federal health researchers reported that average life expectancy of Americans fell in 2020 and in 2021. And what we're seeing is the sharpest two-year decline in nearly 100 years and a reminder of the toll the pandemic has taken. In 2021, the average American ex could expect to live uh, until the age of 76, and that figure represents almost three, a three-year loss uh, since 2019, when we could expect to live on average uh, to 79 years. The National Center for Health Statistics reported that the reduction has been particularly steep among Native Americans and Alaska Natives. Uh, the average life expectancy in those groups was shortened by four years in 2020 alone. Wow. And while the pandemic has driven most of the decline in life expectancy, uh, it's not the only thing uh, driving those numbers. We know there's been a rise in accidental deaths and drug overdoses that's contributed, uh, as has heart disease, chronic liver disease, and cirrhosis. Curated from more than 3,000 major newspapers, magazines, and journals, the AMA Morning Rounds newsletter delivers the top stories in healthcare right to your inbox Monday through Friday. Subscribe today and check out all the AMA's free newsletters at ama-assn.org slash myinbox. That's ama-assn.org slash myinbox. Uh, well, in the face of that, last week we also talked about 
uh, how the lack of federal funding was affecting the availability of free COVID testing kits and the ability of state and local health departments to distribute vaccines. Now comes word that other programs are also being affected. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, it was reported in The Hill that Biden officials plan to shift COVID-19 vaccine and treatment coverage to the private market, and that could happen as soon as January. Don O'Connell, who is the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness Response, said that as early as January of 2023, the administration anticipates that they'll no longer have the federal funds available to purchase or distribute vaccines, and they'll need to transition these activities to the commercial market, similar to seasonal flu or other commercially available vaccines. And while the Biden administration said that they've always planned to have the government get out of the central role they've been playing eventually, that's been accelerated because Congress has not provided funding for the government to continue purchase more vaccines and treatment. Uh, the purchasing and distribution of these measures to fight COVID uh, is going to work more like the rest of the healthcare system does rather than the government playing that leading role going forward. Uh, well what, uh, what does that do to folks who are uninsured? How would something like that affect them? The patients with private insurance will still have access to vaccines and treatment as part of their plan, but the uninsured are gonna face additional challenges getting access. Uh, the announcement last week is not expected to affect that fall push for new boost booster shots um, because those have been purchased by the government and like the earlier COVID vaccines, uh, they're going to be provided for free. Uh, now, uh, a bit about treatments. Uh, we have a little bit more information now about Paxlovid, uh, highly touted treatment for COVID. What's the latest information there? We have the results of a new retrospective cohort study out of Israel. The study is one of the first published that really looks at the real-world effectiveness of Paxlovid against the Omicron variant. We know that when the Pfizer trials of Paxlovid were conducted, that was during the surge of Delta, um, and it included only un unvaccinated individuals. So there have been questions about how it's performing in the real world and how it's performing against the Omicron variant. And among patients who are either vaccinated or have some immunity from prior infection, and, and as a reminder, this drug hasn't been available in the US since September. A lot of variables uh, at work there. What did the study find out given what they looked at? So uh, the study found that treatment reduced hospitalization and death in older patients uh, during the Omicron surge, uh, specifically in Israel earlier this year, but it made no difference for patients who are under 65 or at high risk for disease. It also didn't address another issue that we've been getting a lot of questions about, and that is just how often patients experience that rebound of COVID after taking the drug. Uh, we have seen other studies that do show benefits of taking the drug in the 50 to 64 age group. Uh, and given this message, uh, given this finding, uh, Dr. Ashish Jha, the White House COVID coordinator, said that the data still indicates uh, that this drug should be administered to anyone age 50 and older as soon as they develop COVID symptoms, as well as to anyone who has health conditions leaving them vulnerable to the illness. He noted that Paxlovid has few side effects and there is no shortage of the same in the U.S. Well, Andrea, before we close, let's uh, take a quick check on uh, one of the other big concerns on people's minds, which is monkeypox. What are we looking at in terms of cases there? 
According to the CDC, we're just approaching nearly 20,000 confirmed cases of monkeypox in the U.S. Those case numbers continue to increase overall, but as we've talked about, uh, the speed of the outbreak does appear to be slowing down in major cities across the U.S. Public health experts have cautioned uh, about whether the outbreak has peaked since community outreach efforts uh, we know are ongoing and that can lead uh, to finding more cases. Uh, the CDC director said recently that uh, they're watching this with cautious optimism. They're really hopeful that the harm reduction messages are getting out there as well as the vaccines uh, and that they are working. And we'll continue to monitor that situation as anything develops. Uh, but that wraps up today's episode. Andrea, thanks so much for being with us here today. We'll be back soon with another AMA update. You can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us today and please take care.